Okay, guys, I know y'all tuned into another episode today of Hot Takes with TP3. Before we get things started, um, we got a quick word from our sponsors. The first sponsor of today's episode is Prize Picks. I don't know if y'all are familiar or not with Prize Picks platform and how it works. If you download the app and you use promo code TP3BETS, you will receive a 100% instant match deposit of up to $100. So you deposit $100, you get $100 back. Let's say you deposit $50, you get $50 back, and so on and so forth. Um, how it works, guys, you pick two to six players, and if they'll go over or under their projections, more or less, um, you get up to 25% or 25 times your money on that. Let's say tonight you want to pick Luka Doncic to go over 28.5 points, LeBron over 7.5 rebounds, Dalvin Cook over 86.5 rush yards, and let's say you want to go with Jameis Winston under 205 pass yards, something or other like that, guys. It offers a ton of sports. That means you can have NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football. The list goes on, on, and on. They even have tennis, NASCAR, Anything you could possibly want, it is on there. I promise, guys. Prize Picks is available in your state. Download the app to check and make sure it's in your state. Once again, use code TP3BETS. It takes about 60 seconds to pick everything and deposit. It's easy withdraw, easy deposit. Once again, use code TP3BETS if you want to sign up for Prize Picks. Guys, our second sponsor for today's podcast is Alloy Sports. Look, I know a lot of y'all have listened to our podcast for a long time, but y'all are probably wondering by now where I get my stats and trends from. Well, if you want to build winning systems and use trends and stats like I do, download the Alloy Sports app. The app, the link is in my bio on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at TP3Bets. Go click on it. Download it, guys. I promise, guys, it will help you guys bet like a pro. If y'all want to use the same trends and everything I do, download it now. Alloy Sports, once again, that's A-L-L-O-Y. S-P-O-R-T-S, Alloy Sports. Y'all go download it and give them a listen. How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Once again, I'm your host, Thomas Penland, coming to you on Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. I'm joined, as always, by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, you ready, man? It's Thanksgiving week. I am. I love Thanksgiving food. Uh, a lot of football, a lot of sports on this time of the year. Uh, you like Thanksgiving food? Oh, I I love me some Thanksgiving food. I mean, I will say like eating the turkey and ham, not exactly my favorite, but I just love eating. So I like eating a lot of food <laughs> and yeah, you know, it ain't nothing wrong with eating a lot of food and, you know, enjoying some football and stuff with family. So definitely am a big fan. Although I will say I wish they ate steak instead, but you know, can't complain. I got a big basketball game. We got uh, Alabama-Michigan State on Thanksgiving. Ooh, that'll be a good one. Hey, I'm excited for that Creighton-Arkansas game tonight. That'll be a good one, too, as well. Um, yeah, they San actually Diego State-Arizona, I think. Yeah, that one's on later tonight. Yeah, they actually play a lot of good because I think they have, like, the battle for Atlantis. Are y'all in one of those tournaments? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's the it's that Phil Knight tournament that's in Portland. Okay, yeah, they have so many tournaments now. Basically, UNC, there's, there's good teams. It's Alabama-Michigan State-UNC-Wisconsin, maybe? Damn. Some so pretty yeah, good teams in it. Yeah, for sure. And they got a bunch of good teams. The Battle for Atlantis, Maui's going on. So, I mean, there's a lot of good tournaments this week. It's a great week for sports, guys. I mean, nothing better than when you roll out of bed and there's sports tipping off at 1130. But, uh, yeah, let's get down to it, guys. We're going to recap. We gotta, we're got we going to talk a little Deion Sanders. We're going to talk some uh, NFL rookies. And then we're going to get up out of here, maybe talk briefly about the Thanksgiving football games. I don't really have any picks ready. I don't think you have any picks ready yet either, Ben. So, probably not talk about those. Just kidding. But, um. Also, we will, me and Ben, just because we're dedicated for y'all, we will be podcasting later in the night on Thanksgiving night and giving y'all our picks. We'll have Friday college football on there. We'll have Saturday college football and Sunday NFL. So get ready for all that, guys. Ben, take us away. Yeah, let's start with Michigan because obviously they got the biggest game of the week next, uh, this coming week. So Michigan survived. Blake Corum, who's obviously their best player. I mean, if you didn't think that before, their offense barely could move the football when he got hurt last game. He didn't really return. I think he returned for a couple plays, but didn't return. It looked bad. If you remember, I mean, it it certainly looked like a knee injury. Um, and then a couple of days later, he was using his NIL money to deliver turkeys um, to less fortunate in Michigan. So it he wasn't really walking with a limp in videos. I think he is going to be good to go at Ohio State. I just got to get a, get out and say this because the line's seven and a half right now. If Blake Corum is at 100% this game, I don't know if Michigan can cover a spread. Um, he is pretty much their whole offense. I mean, they have a good defense, Michigan, but J.J. McCarthy just last week and in some other games this year, he just can't 
carry this team through the air. They have to be able to run the football. They have to be more physical against Ohio State. But, man, is Blake Corum an absolute stud when he's healthy and on the field. Yeah, um, I completely agree with you on this one, Ben. I mean, that Michigan also hasn't seen a defense like Ohio State, and the fact that they're not going to have their dynamic play, cha- their game changer in this offense is really going to hurt. I mean, he he's definitely going to play. He ain't missing this game in his last year. I also think, though, that Ohio State hasn't played a team as physical as Michigan is. Also a fair point, although I'd say Notre Dame is around that kind of yeah, physicality. But, yeah, week one, though, I, I don't know. Uh, Michigan just bu- played bully ball last year. Now they're on the road this year. We'll see if they can be as physical. Uh, we're, let's move on. TCU, they survived again. I, I'll say this, though. Everyone's like, well, how do they keep doing this? They're barely winning. There's not a team that's more battle-tested than TCU. They're 11-0, and and they're they have the number one strength of schedule. So that's not like – before the season, that's not like when they when they rank schedules. The strength of schedule at this point is the teams where they're at now and where they are when you played them. They're the number one strength of schedule, and they are eleven and zero. Yeah. Um, also, if you didn't listen a bit to our last podcast, guys, Ben had an absolute rant about TCU at the end. You should really go back and listen to it because he hit the nail on the head. And I even Ben even sent me a couple of guys that were kind of talking about this too. That he was picking up more steam. I swear, Ben, people were listening to you, man, with that rant. But um, TCU's five and zero against ranked teams. They have the most wins over ranked teams in all of college football. I mean, it's an absolute joke at this point if we're even debating if TCU should be on the playoff and people want to debate if a two-loss LSU team should be in there. Give me a break. TCU can lose a game and still get in there. Um, Yeah, this team is special. I also think this year of college football is a little different from what we've had in the past. I don't – there's not a team in the country that's just going to line up and say, well, that team's going to kill someone. Like, I mean, Tennessee, people always thought they were great. They didn't look good against Georgia. They obviously didn't look good against South Carolina. We'll get to that. Ohio State's had moment more than one moment this year. Georgia's yep. had moments where it's like, well, what the heck is happening in this game? Georgia won, like, what was the final score against Kentucky? Six Was it 16 to 6? Yeah, 16 to 6. Like, yeah. Kentucky is deflated even before that game. I was shocked that, like, I don't think it's like one of those years. I, I think I really do think TCU can line up and, and throw the ball and score on pretty much everyone. Team. I don't know if they can stop anyone, but I feel like they can score on everyone. Yeah, I think TCU belongs to be in there. I think there's no doubt about it. They're one of the four best teams in college football. I don't even think it's a debate at this point. And you think they get in even with one loss? Yeah, I mean, dude, if they don't yeah. get in with one loss, I'm going to be furious. I mean, there's no way they should not be in there. Clemson doesn't even – I don't think – I'm trying to think. Clemson – I guess NC State was ranked, and I think Clemson Clemson's best wins at Wake Forest. Yeah, NC State and Wake Forest are they're going to be their two like good wins. Florida State is good; they beat, but we I don't think we were ranked anymore when they beat us because we had just lost two games in a row. And let's just get to it now because I have it on my list. UNC lost to Georgia Tech, and I was so wrong in this game. Same. Um, but I mean, UNC's but... defense has been bad all season long. The reason why I bring it up now is because obviously they play Clemson in the ACC championship. So I'm curious if the committee ranks still has UNC ranked to try to help Clemson's case. I'm going to say they do. I still think UNC is one of the 20 best five best teams in the country. You know, I think that these teams are a little, they definitely are. Yeah. So I think it should still be ranked, but I mean, it was absolutely embarrassing. I mean, the first half UNC just looked way better than tech. Like the game wasn't even competitive in the first half. UNC actually got stopped inside the tech five and on downs and kick some uh, field goals, you know, to start the game off. It's like that they were just kind of like, yeah, we'll just take the points. And then I didn't get to see the second half because I was at dinner, but they got punched in the mouth. It looks like it had no response. So UNC's Josh Downs, who's their best receiver, dropped – they were down 24-17, I believe. Mm -hmm. He dropped a wide-open pass in the end zone. So that's certainly not favorable to win a football game. Um, Speaking of upsets, though, how about Vandy beating Florida? Vandy, Vandy's head, new head coach, Chuck Lee, um, who's the old defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, but believes a Vandy alum, having a pretty solid season for Vandy. They, they were pretty good, obviously, before SEC play started, but they started the year pretty good for Vandy standards. They now get a win against Florida. That's big for the Vandy program. I don't even know what it says about Florida. Um, hey, Vandy's playing to go bowling this week. 
Vandy, let's just keep the theme going. They're only a 14-point dog at home against Tennessee this week. Now, I know Hendon Hooker's not playing, but that seems like almost like an inflated line of, well, let you know, look what they did last week. And, I mean, come on. Can you not see Tennessee even with Joe? Tennessee might blow Vandy out if they give a damn about this game. I don't know if they care about this game. Yeah, I mean – Joe Milton has a strong arm, but just as much as he can make big plays down the field in the passing game, he can also make some of the dumbest passes and decisions we've seen. Um, I think, I mean, I'm probably don't know if I'm going to bet on this game, but I mean, Vandy's got a chance, man. Uh, what's their coach's name? Can you, do you it's Clark Lee, right? Or Clark. I think I said Chuck yeah, Clark. It's Clark. Yeah, it's Clark Lee. Yeah, Clark Lee's got this team playing good football and he got them believing, man. Then this Vandy their program quarterback's looks pretty good. Yeah, this is the best I've seen them look probably since they had a uh, James Franklin there coaching. So it's been a long freaking time, for sure. Uh, was was James Franklin the coach when they had like the historical season where they beat Florida, they beat Tennessee and Kentucky? I want to say or yeah, they, they beat, might like, even beat Georgia in that season. But they had yeah, they had Zach Stacy at running back. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, or he's a beast. I do. He he got in some trouble, didn't he? Didn't he? I think he, he got beat in a trouble woman with the and law. got kicked out of the NFL. Yeah. Sounds about yeah. right. Um. South Carolina, they scored a touchdown on every single drive except for the first one outside of the uh, halftime break. They punted on that one. Every other drive, they scored touchdowns, and you had Spencer Rattler just counting on his fingers. Not one, not two, not three, not four, five touchdowns. He may have had six um, in that game. I think that kind of proves one thing that I think a lot of people do know, but it kind of gets lost to the shuffles that when you're that highly like recruited, like he was a five-star, one of the best quarterbacks, you can always have a game. You can just always have a game where you just go the fuck off. And that was Spencer Rattler's day. Absolutely. But on top of that, Ben, I also think that, you know, like people underrate how good the sec is and how hard it is to win week in and week out on the road in this conference um, I mean, the scary things can happen. I think it's William Bryce, Stadium. especially on the road. Yeah, scary things can happen in William Bryce Stadium. Man, they play that sandstorm. The crowd gets rumbling, roaring, and next thing you know, I mean, to be fair though, I think they also lost like twenty four zero at home against Missouri. So I mean, crazy shit happens in the SEC. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, you had nine and one Tennessee coming up. It's the last home game of the season. You know, that's certainly I feel like easy to get a crowd up for the last home mm-hmm. game. Is any chance that you think South Carolina can ride some momentum going into Clemson next week? You don't have to give a prediction of the game, but I think it's like a 16, uh, 15 and a half or 16 point underdogs going to Clemson. Clemson has owned this rivalry. It's not even really a rivalry at this point. Yeah. I mean, this is probably, I mean, Beamer's definitely building something and building momentum here for South Carolina. I actually have that marked right now on my, on my uh, sheet of shorter of like games. You know what I mean? That I'm looking at, I mean, it does feel like a little bit of a letdown spot off a huge upset, but at the same time, I mean, Clemson's not all that impressive this year. So, I mean, I'm to keep, say they can keep it inside of two touchdowns is not like the hardest thing in the world, in my opinion. I mean, like you said, this is a huge rivalry. I mean, these teams absolutely hate each other. I mean, people who aren't who aren't very familiar, like I have some friends that live up there and stuff. I mean, these teams hate each other. Like they hate Dab. Like South Carolina fans hate Dabo on like another level. Speaking of Clemson, did you see their athletic director put out a video today? No. What was it? He was like talking about the programs that the university has set up uh, for like donations and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and to like, he's basically like, he was basically saying, don't be afraid or if you can donate to these programs so we can get our NIL money up. It's like, dude, are you guys that poor? Like, oh my God, a D1 program like Clemson should not be having trouble funding NIL money. No, I mean, it's one thing if Georgia Tech's having trouble, but it's freaking Clemson. Uh, last one for college. This is an interesting one. Um, CJ Stroud is still the betting favorite to win the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Um, his two games left, it, uh, well, he, he's going to have more two. He might, you know, have one, two games left. But uh, Michigan at home, obviously a huge game. It's pretty much the only game on their, on their schedule. Um, and then – um, the Big Ten Championship, which is going to be against either Iowa, Purdue, or one other team. So not a great game. He's the betting favorite. Do you think he will win the Heisman? And if not, do you have another name? Yes, I have another name. Caleb Williams. We and Ben were talking about yeah. this in the warm-up, and I was like, I'll get to this. Look, 
Caleb Williams game to win the Heisman trophy is coming up this weekend. If he goes out against Notre Dame and balls out and the USC wins this game, I think the Heisman trophy is his and I think he will be heavily favored to win it. Um, I mean, he could probably slip up in the Pac-12 championship and still get it. His numbers compared to Strouds are off the charts. I don't know if you all remember or not from last week's podcast, me and Ben were talking about how the Caleb Williams and Drake May's numbers were far exceeded. Um, CJ Strouds at this point, CJ Stroud is a better body of work than Drake May does. Drake May is probably like going to finish fifth at this point. I don't think he'll catch an invite, but Caleb Williams, you come out win this week. It is your trophy. I mean, Caleb Williams, when I know UCLA's defense isn't great, but what he did to them was, I mean, he performed surgery on that. Defense. They were down 10 he points was, in the first half. I mean, it wasn't like they yeah, just came out there and beat yeah, their but ass. It's nothing. They had to battle when, in this when, game. 10 points is nothing when the totals are hitting like over 80. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, Caleb Williams is insanely impressive. He he escapes the pocket well. He moves within the pocket well. He's got a very strong arm. Mm-hmm. He's been accurate. He throws off off uh, one leg on the run. He, he, there's not a throw he can't make. And, uh, I mean, if Caleb Williams was the Heisman, Lincoln Riley's the most impressive quarterback coach that has ever existed in the sport of football. I think that it is safe to say that he is. Yeah. Um. That was me reacting any, any, to us. That was me reacting to soccer, by the way. This guy barely, this guy just barely missed a bike by like an inch. Anything else from the college game before I move to the NFL? No, I think we got it all covered. Um, I'm excited. I'm really excited actually to run. Actually, real quick, Ben, what do you think about uh, Lane Kiffin's drama on Twitter? Do you think that it's all but done him to Auburn, or you think these people are just blowing smoke, or what do you, what do you think? Um, the people that you and I have talked to seem to be very confident that it's, it's a done deal at Auburn. Um, I don't know. I don't really know why he would, he would, uh, at this point, he's trolling one of one university. He's either trolling Ole Miss and is leaving them, or he is really trolling Auburn. Um, so I don't know. I guess I'll, I still think he's going, I'm going to trust the the source that told you and I the information. Mm -hmm. Um, he was 80%. If this stands true, he's going to be 92% or 93% on his predictions. So he's a trustworthy source at this point. Um, yeah, it's, we- absolute, it's absolutely a step up, I'll tell you that. Like, uh, the people that don't think Auburn's a better job than Ole Miss, I, I don't even understand how your brain works. Yeah, I Auburn, mean, competes for na- Auburn competes for national championships. Ole Miss has never even been since 1992 when they moved the SEC championship game to Atlanta from Birmingham and they split the SEC into the East and West, that was 1992. Ole Miss has never even been to Atlanta for an SEC championship game. Yeah, I was about to say, Ben, in our lifetime, Ole Miss was a joke basically until they got Hugh Freeze in there. So, I mean. And I get it. Recency bias, Ole Miss is, is better. But that's what Auburn gets when they hire a guy at a Boise State with no um, Southeastern Conference ties at all. Did you really think he was going to be able to recruit? Come on. Yeah, Auburn kind of took the Florida State route. You know, they brought in the wrong coach, and now here they I are completely think, set bat from it, but now they're going to get the right guy in there, you know? I think if, let's say, if Lane Giffen's the Auburn coach, I think he can be competitive um, in the SEC West within two years. And I say that because the greatest strength that, that Kiffin has had, the, the, the reason Ole Miss is having their best season this is the first. This is like the first time they've ever had ten wins. It's because he dominates the transfer portal. They didn't even it's, have ten wins with Swag Kelly or with uh, Corral last year. I don't think so. Wow, that's crazy. Um. Um. But yeah, he dominated the transfer portal. His starting quarterback is a transfer. His he, they kind of have two starting running backs, but one of his running backs is a transfer wide receiver a transfer, a linebacker. Like he dominated the transfer mm-hmm. portal. And I think it's easier to recruit out of the portal and especially out of high school for Auburn, like way easier to recruit to get kids to Auburn than it is to Ole Miss out of high school. No, absolutely. Um, Yeah. You know, I, th- I think that it probably, you know, what is my biggest sign Ben that points to him going to Auburn in my opinion is that performance they had last week against um, Arkansas. You know, he's I feel also like- complained about the crowd at Ole Miss multiple times. The environment you get at Auburn is really, really good at a night game. It gets very loud to play there. No, for sure. And, you know, I feel like that um, Lane, you know, took an interesting path. Like he went to Tennessee, got embarrassed. And then if you, and then he went to uh, the US, USC was first. Oh, that's right. You went, he went to USC. USC, the Oakland Raiders, Tennessee, 
and then I think FAU. He's yep. got the he's got the funniest path ever because he's at all these like huge program name schools, and then the Raiders are like one of the biggest fan bases in, in the NFL, and he's just like blown up everywhere. Like USC, he got fired on the tarmac after an away game. He couldn't even fly back with the team. The Oakland Raiders, he lasted a season or two. Mm-hmm. Tennessee, he fucked that program because he got caught recruiting or cheating. Um, FAU, there was, you know, he was great there. He was probably on the beaches of Boca Raton and uh <laughs> and living a good life there, being paid well. And then now he's at Ole Miss, which I mean, I've heard some stories. I'm not going to share them on the air, but our mutual friend Jack Monahan has said some stories about Ole Miss that are quite funny. Oh, I don't doubt it at all. Um, Ben, we'll table this until after the uh, the Egg Bowl next week. I think we'll have some more inf- more information and whatnot. But uh, let's talk let's talk about the NFL part of things now. Falcons keep they stacked another W. They keep stacking wins. They're still in this division. Uh, and we're in, we're almost in early December. We're at late November right now. The Falcons are still within great reaching distance of uh, winning this division. Yeah, the Falcons are not dead at all. Like I said, guys, we had the 32nd easiest schedule in the NFL. I mean, we play the Commanders big game this weekend. Let's see what we can do. I trust in uh, Arthur Smith and his process. Obviously, losing Kyle Pitts sucks, but Falcons are still alive. And shout out to the boy, Will Compton. Just got signed from the Fal- to the Falcons. Yeah, I need to buy one of those shirts. They're sick. I don't know if you saw them or not. I got a... I saw him. I have a busting with the boys hat kind of thing. It just says the boys on it. Uh, the Bills and Eagles, two teams I think we, I think a lot of people see as juggernauts, Super Bowl mm-hmm. contenders, obviously. Bills have really not looked sharp in the last two weeks and, until the second half of this week. The Eagles had a tough first half this past week, but huge second halves for these teams. Is there any worry? Um, now, listen, the Eagles are going to lose some games, let's be honest. Um, the Cowboys are very good in this division. The Giants are very competitive. The Giants are just so injured, and, and unfortunately, um, Wondell Robinson's out for the year now. Adoree Jackson's missing three to four weeks. Xavier McKinney was an idiot, went to Mexico over the bye week, got had a hand injury, so he's out. The Giants are not an easy out, so I think the Eagles will lose a couple of games. Do you think – like, do you view their – in the Bills – I don't know what is it with the Bills, but they haven't looked great the last two weeks. Um, anything like, are you worried about them a little bit? Are, you, if the, are the Chiefs are the Chiefs the best team in the AFC in your opinion? I'm assuming they. I'm assuming your answer is yes. And how far are they ahead now? I mean, I can't put Kansas. Keep City Keep in mind that. the Bills won. In, the Bills won in Kansas City. They did. See, I can't put them that much ahead of them. I mean, it's the regular season. I'm not going to buy into everything too much. I think the biggest thing is just to get through the regular season with your guys healthy. I mean, shit happens in the regular season, you know, like teams like I remember who was it? It was the. uh, I'm trying to remember what team it was, though, that basically lost like three games all year. And one of their losses was to like it was the Steelers. One of those years when they were really good, it just pops out of my mind. They played the Raiders, who had won like two games all year, and the Steelers had only lost two games all year, and they lost a game to the Raiders. I mean, it's the NFL. You know, these are professionals. Any given Sunday, anything can happen. I just think that it depends on getting through the regular season with your guys healthy, and that's what I think these teams are trying to do. I mean, yeah, probably, I mean, the Bills will probably lose two, one or two more games this season. You know, the, the Eagles right. will probably end up losing three games this year. But, I mean, I'm not going to think any less of these teams through these losses now if it's week after week after week that they're doing the same shit and barely beating like bad teams or they're losing to or they're losing week after week for the same reasons, then that's more of a cause for concern for me. But, you know, I still have the chiefs and the bills as one a and one B I'll put the chiefs at one a right now because they're handling their business week in and week out. But, you know, it will be interesting to see what happens with these teams when the playoffs actually get going. Yeah. Let's talk about the chiefs real quick. Then we'll just kind of go to the AFC West as an outlook. I mean, Mahomes getting the ball back, I think it was a minute 46 on the clock. You mm-hmm. knew he was scoring a touchdown. Yeah. It was, a lot. it was just a matter of how much time are the Chargers going to have left. Well, let's talk about that game. Let's talk about that game because I know you want to talk about Herbert. And let's segue this into yep. just the AFC West being one of the worst divisions in football. Brandon Staley, who you and I pretty much every, every podcast talk about how much of an idiot he is as a head coach punted on fourth and inches and Justin Herbert's like six foot six, like literally just lean forward. And I feel like he gets that. Um, I mean, listen, I'll say this before I let you have your little love fest with Herbert. 
that game was not his fault by any means. He was terrific. He had his wide receivers get injured once again. Mike Williams didn't play much in the second half. And Keenan Allen was on a pitch count or a snap count. Um, Listen, I will always admit that the win-loss record that Herbert, you know, has is not all of his fault. He was coached by Anthony Lynn, who is Mm -hmm. so much of an idiot that he got fired in like year two. And I don't, I don't know if Brandon Staley is their coach next year. I really don't like it. It's hard to find excuses for the amount of talent. And I know that they're injured. They they're missing multiple offensive linemen, uh, multiple receivers. Like they miss a lot. Don't get me wrong, but this team is too talented to just not make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I agree with everything you said, Ben. That's why I think Sean Payton's going to be their coach next year. And I think he'd be the right fit. Um, Sean Payton's even said some things too about how highly he thinks of Herbert and stuff, but yeah, I mean, Brandon Staley, it's like he second guesses himself at this point. It's like he went for it too much on fourth down and lost games. And then now it's like, he's too scared to do it. I mean, when you start second guessing yourself and you don't have confidence in your own decision, how are you going to be able to lead a group of men to potentially winning a championship and making the playoffs? I just don't. So you say, you say this every almost every time we talk about it. Every head coach has something they're specifically known for. Um, his is defense. He he was brought up as a defensive coach. Mm-hmm. And their D, their GM brought in, excuse me, their GM brought in talent on this defense. I know that they have injuries. Don't get me wrong, but their defense just gets worse and worse and worse. Now I'm not expecting them to hold the Chiefs to 20 points or less. Pretty much no one does that, but like. Their defense doesn't even seem competitive in most of these games. And, I mean, look at the 49ers, too. I mean, I am I will give them a little bit of a pass for all the injuries. Just like, I mean, the 49ers lost the Falcons. Like, you got to give them some passes for all the injuries they've had. But at the same time, though, even though the 49ers have all these injuries, they're still able to win games with all the injuries they have. And, I mean, that you just you got to be able to figure out a way to win in the NFL. You're not going to have all your players out on the field every week. That's what the best teams do. I mean, shit, the Giants haven't had their whole receiving court out on the field all the time this year. And what do they do? Dayball finds a way to win these games. That's what you have to do. And that's what and Daniel Jones not makes doing. plays. He does. Exactly. And that's what you have to do. Like, you have to find a way to win these games. And that's just not what they're doing. Now, on the Herbert part of things – Look, everybody was saying Herbert was overrated, this, that, and the other. Herbert came out and played probably one of his best games of the season, and he had Keenan Allen out there for a little over 30% of the snaps. Give him a healthy offense, and, I mean, Justin Herbert's putting up Mahomes and Josh Allen numbers. Let's talk about the AFC West. Everyone thought it was going to be a great division. The quarterbacks were great. I'm starting to think Derek Carr is not um, a Las Vegas Raider quarterback next year. Um, I, I don't know what is going to happen in Denver. I mean, they're not getting out of the Russell. I mean, you could easily convince yourself that Nathaniel Hackett's not their coach after one year. Um, this division, I think a lot of people thought, we thought the Chiefs were going to have some competition. I still had the Chiefs winning the division, but, um, you know, preseason, but there's no competition. I mean, they, they have a huge lead in this division now. They're, at this point, their main focus is getting that one seed. Yeah, I mean, Kansas City completely ran away at this division. Um you know, Chargers are still alive, but yeah, man, the Broncos were horrible and the Raiders were horrible this year, and I'm pretty sure I didn't pick either of them to make the playoffs when we did this, but I mean, yeah, when you looked at this division on paper, I mean, this, to pick the the Broncos, I mean, are I think are more disappointing. Like, I remember Ben, me and you, Ben, did you pick the Raiders to make the playoffs? I don't think you did, right? I'm trying to find it. I don't know if I have it anymore, but I feel like I did. See, the problem is with the Raiders is that Gruden and Mayock completely just whiffed on all these picks. They even cut Jonathan Abram the other day. So, I mean, basically all their draft picks, you completely throw them out the door for the last three years. Then on top of that, I mean, you look at the Broncos. The Broncos not being good. I mean, Russell Wilson and Hackett are a terrible coach, but, I mean, you have the best defense in the NFL. On paper, the Broncos making the playoff made a lot of sense, but this division's been pretty disappointing. It's kind of funny. We just talk about the NFC East as being the weakest division in football. They're probably the strongest division in football this year. All their teams could potentially make the playoffs. The AFC East, is that what you said? No, the NFC East. No, the AFC East is also strong. All, every team in the AFC East is in the division still. I mean, in the playoffs still. Even yeah, the same, Jets. Thing with the, same thing with the NFC. I don't, actually, I don't know if the commanders are in the last slot or not yet, but the commanders are in the hunt regardless. Let's talk about those JET Jets. Uh, if you had plus three and a half. That's one of the worst beats you're gonna see all year. Um, yeah, for the first time three in a while, I'm on the side of the uh, I'm on the opposite side of the bad beat. Yeah, three and three. It was three to three almost the entire game. 
Uh, Patriots force a punt if you didn't see it. And uh, they returned a punt for a touchdown with like nine seconds left on the clock. Uh, multiple, multiple block in the backs, just not called. Um, but that's that's the human element in sports when you have uh, when you have referees and umpires. So that's just a bad beat. Um, we can talk about Zach Wilson first. Um, I, I want to say something on Mac Jones after. So I'll let you start with Zach Wilson. Yeah, Zach Wilson should not be a quarterback in the NFL. So I watch a lot of like on Mondays. He may not like, be this coming week. Yeah. First of all, solid didn't commit to him. He didn't. He they blatantly asked him, "Do you feel like you let the team down?" And he said no. And a bunch of the defensive players were pissed off about that. Yeah, he, he had, had nine, nine completions. completions and I think 10 they had, punts. I think they had two yards of offense in the second half. They had 104 yards of offense in the game. And so on top of him saying that. I actually watched Dan Orlovsky go through and break down about 15 different plays on film. So good. Dan's the man. Oh, he is the man. He is the absolute man. And first of all, Orlovsky said, he's like, you know, I definitely was not as talented. Zach Wilson was, I'm not as talented as a lot of these guys that play in the NFL, but he's like, one thing that I did do was always give my defense credit. And he's like the defense and the other guys on the roster, they want the QB. He's like, QB doesn't have to think he's equals with all these other guys, but they want to think that the QB thinks that they are. And he said on top of that though, he was showing the plays. It's like Zach Wilson doesn't even go through the reads. He has players open, and it's like he doesn't even look at him. He just takes off running around and scrambling. I mean, he ha- he's not bad at all at scrambling, but he is horrible at passing. I don't think this guy can be a pro quarterback. I mean, there's multiple players getting frustrated into showing, like, what the hell are we doing here, body language, you know? like, And he's even missing easy throws. Like, there's little dump downs where he can just toss it down. Nope, misses the throw. So there's a stat I saw. Um, I, I – I don't have the top of my head how many games Zach Wilson has played in his young career so far. Mm-hmm. There were four categories of stats. It was passing yards per game. Mm-hmm. It was completion percentage. It was touchdown to interception ratio. And it was QBR. I think those are four stats that you can go that are fairly judged, you know, to judge a quarterback. Through however many games Zach Wilson's played, his numbers are worse than Jamarcus Russell, and worse than Johnny Manziel. Not and let me remind, let me remind everyone of Johnny Manziel. If, if, if you don't listen, I've listened to multiple podcasts that Manziel's been on. He talks about how he lost his love for the game of football sometime around his sophomore to junior year at A and M. Keep in mind, his freshman year was like one of the most impressive seasons in college football history. Won the Heisman as a uh, for, uh, as a true for yeah true freshman right I can't remember then, if he's redshirt or not or yeah I think it was a true freshman to beat Alabama on that you know crazy plays um John Menzel talked about how he lost his love for the game of football but he just knew he was really good at it knew he was good enough to get to the NFL so he stuck with it when he got drafted by the Browns I forget where he was drafted he talks about uh someone had asked him do you have any regret he's you know I don't have any regrets but he said what I what I did do when I when I officially was like done, he he apologized to his Browns teammates. And the question was, well, what for other than obviously losing them a bunch of games? He said, I don't know if people realize how much extracurricular work you have to do to be a successful NFL quarterback. He said, I didn't do any of it. He's like, I didn't watch film on my own. I watched film with coaches, took notes. But if it was on my own time out of the building, he said, I didn't do anything but party. And he was terrible. So what is Zach Wilson doing? Because if Zach Wilson is putting in the work in the offseason, if he is studying on his own, mm-hmm. if he is trying to reach out to legends of the game, ask for advice or, or anything, then his football career is over. If he's doing all the extracurricular stuff and he's this bad, he might be worse than Sam Darnold. I mean, Sam, his numbers are worse than what Sam Darnold's were on the Jets. So – Zach Wilson has got to figure this out because he's too young to just not be in the league or just be a permanent backup in this league when you're drafted number two overall, I think he was. He needs to figure something out, and I don't think it's going to be with the Jets. He'll probably get another chance with the team, and it's going to be a quick chance. So he needs to figure it out if he wants to be a professional football player. And Dan Dan Orlovsky put together a perfect breakdown. He's like, it's, it's time to grow up, and I don't disagree. I want to talk about Mac Jones, though. 
as an Alabama alumni, Alabama fan, I will admit that I don't know if Mac Jones is the guy in terms of leading a quarterback or sorry, leading a franchise to the Patriots standard, which is making the playoffs every year, competing for AFC championships and for Super Bowls. I don't know if he's the guy, but I will say this. Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, and Bill Belichick aren't the guys in terms of calling plays. I don't think Mac Jones is getting a fair chance. I really don't. Because I think last year when he had a quality offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, I know that I know I keep bringing this up. I know I don't really care about it, but it is impressive for a rookie quarterback to make a Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Whether he made it because other guys said no, Mac Jones had a very good rookie season and he's had an extreme drop off off a cliff. I'm not saying he's all this great, but I do think the Patriots are heavy to blame on this. And we know a lot of Patriots fans that I know are think the same way. They tweet every single week. Why is Joe Judge or Matt Patricia calling plays? Whoever's doing it, it's it's embarrassing what the Patriots are doing offensively. One hundred percent. It's honestly a joke that they don't have a real offensive coordinator in there, Ben. Um, on top of what you just said, I'm going to add this. Um, first of all. Well, it kind of goes back to what I said, you know, when quarterbacks get hurt at the beginning of the season then come back in the season, usually you see them drop off a little bit. I think that's happened. But also on top of that, who's his best target? Nelson Aguilar? I mean, that guy's a number three, four receiver on most other offenses in the NFL. Not only do they not give him an offensive coordinator to help him out. Stevenson's like their best player. They don't even give him an offensive weapon. Give me a break, New England. And also David Andrews is one of the better centers in all of football has missed a lot of time this year. You got her again on Sunday. And I believe their rookie guard, Cole Strange, has had a very tough season. Yeah, it's tough times uh, in New England. For sure. Oh, hey, the, but they still have a winning record. They do, and they're still in the playoff picture. Cowboys absolutely manhandled the Vikings. Um, I mean, we don't need to talk about what what we got from that game. Obviously, it's pretty pretty easy, pretty obvious. Um but just kind of like they, they both play on Thanksgiving, the Cowboys. Um, who's playing who? Cowboys are playing the Giants at home. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the Vikings, Vikings play the, play Patriots. the Patriots, I believe. Yep. Sunday, that's the night game or the Monday or Thursday night game. Um, if, the Vi- if the Vikings lose to the Patriots, there is some serious cause for concern for this team, I think, moving forward. I agree, but I really like this bounce back spot actually for the Vikings. Y'all know me. I love betting on the team embarrassed the week before. And I mean, a team that loses by, by historic, that's the most they've ever lost by at home in the history of their team. I mean, a team that loses by that many points at home, got to ride them. Yeah. uh, But I do, I think the Patriots are going to give them hell. I I think the Patriots, um, their, their defense is still good. Mac Jones gets to play in a dome. So there's no weather issues. Um, We'll see if they can give them a fight. The The Cowboys-Giants game is very interesting. The Giants, just so many injuries. I'm curious to see if the Giant, if the Cowboys blow another team out or if the Giants can keep this close and possibly win. Yeah. That pass, rush is, that pass rush, by the way, Cowboys, regardless if they get OBJ or not, is this defense good enough to carry them through the NFC Championship? Specifically pass rush. I think it's good enough to carry to them to a certain extent. I mean, we kind of saw the blueprint almost laid out for us the uh, week before when they lost to the Packers. The Packers were able, you know, to kind of make Mika Parsons less of a factor in the game, which was huge. Also, I want to make this shout out because I say it every single time and it pisses me off. I can't remember the amount of times, Ben, that we podcasted about that draft Parsons was in. And I said the Falcons should trade back and take Parsons. Yet we took freaking Kyle Pitts. I mean, Kyle Pitts isn't done jack shit. If I pick you with the fourth overall pick, I expect you to be flipping burgers in the parking lot for the fans tailgating before the game. That's how much I expect from you if you're a top five pick. Yeah, that draft, uh, Zach Wilson with the Jets uh, in three picks in a row. Zach Wilson with the Jets, Trey Lance with the Niners, Kyle Pitts with the uh, Falcons. Kyle Pitts wasn't horrible his rookie season, but everyone else in that draft is like a top five player on the team and like a high-level impact guy. Like that draft is like Trevor Lawrence, Jamar Chase, Michael Parsons, Pat Sertain. Yeah, so it's like, ooh. Um, Moving on. Two more Ravens. They're starting to worry me a little bit. They were my AFC champ pick this year. Um, struggling, like really struggling with the Carolina Panthers is extremely concerning. No weapons for Lamar, man. Yeah, Mark Andrews has got to get healthy for this team because when he's healthy, it kind of opens things up for them uh in the receiver game. But losing who they lose a receiver? Was it Rashad Bateman for the year? Or yep. 
yeah, that obviously hurts. He was like one of their top two targets. So um, last one, the San Francisco 49ers are 4-0 in their division. And since getting Christian McCaffrey, they are rolling. They are who I thought they were, a.k.a. the, the future NFC champs. I don't hate it. Um, at some point, though, like if they don't win it this year, or if they lose early in the playoffs, Kyle Shanahan's going to get some flack, I think. I think he'll get some flack, but, I mean, there's no possible way he can be on the hot seat or anything to continue. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, like, this guy, is, he's coached some pretty talented teams. He has. He has. I mean, they've had to fight through a lot of injuries this year, but I think that their teams come together at the right time. Um, all right, guys, that does it for observations. Me and Ben are going to take a brief break, and then we're going to come back for our final two topics before we get out of here. All right, guys, we are back now from our brief break. We got our two last topics, and then it's time to get up out of here. Ben, let's revisit the uh, offensive and defensive NFL Rookie of the Year first here. Yeah, so I had Chris Olave as my offensive rookie of the year and Kayvon uh, Thibodeau as my defensive rookie. Both of those are probably not going to hit, but Chris Olave is having an unreal year. Do you remember who you had? Um, I do not. I want to say for some reason, I want to say I had like Trelon Burks and then I also had Aiden Hutchinson and or Thibodeau is one of those two, but um, yeah. the Hutchinson, I mean, Thibodeau missed some time. That's probably the only reason. But, I mean, he's still sixth in voting right now. Right now, Yeah, he's had a good year. Yeah, right now, Sauce Gardner's minus 200. Tariq Woolen's plus 400 and plus 550 on Hutchinson. And then on the flip side of things, um, you have Kenneth Walker the third minus 135. Damian Pierce, plus 350. And then plus 500 on Olave. And honestly, you know, if Olave didn't miss time, he might be a little higher on there. But I think it's definitely going to be Kenneth Walker. I also want to give myself a little shout-out because in three out of my four fantasy leagues, I drafted Kenneth Walker and refused to cut him because, I mean, that guy was so good at Michigan State. He was so good. I knew he was going to be a superstar in the league. I think what's interesting to me is, like, I I think if you took a poll – You'd almost get you'd almost get a unanimous answer of what the hardest position in football is, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of people would say corner. Yet, like Pat Sertain came in the league and dominated right away. Ahmad Sars Gardner dominating football right away. Tariq, is it Woolley or Woodley? Woolen. Woolen, dominating football right away. How are these young guys just coming in? I'm, Sauce Gardner, by the way, the last four years of his entire life, has he given up a touchdown? Has he given up one for the Jets? If he has, that he didn't give up one in college. So this guy's been un like you can't even throw his way the last four years of his life. Do you know how unreal of a feeling that is when you just wake up on a Sunday? It's like, yeah, no one's going to test me today because I'm that good. Yeah, it's honestly unreal when you just when nobody wants to throw at you like that, or when they do throw at you, like they either get picked off or gets knocked down instantly. I mean, Sauce Gardner's in another league from these other players. It's honestly insane to watch him play. Him and like him and Sertain are already like top ten corners in the NFL. They get the highest praise from guys like Richard Sherman. Like it's insane that these guys are just coming in right away and dominating a position that is impossible. No, it really is. And I mean, in today's NFL, too, with all the penalties and stuff and the way it's built in, you know, for offense to have such an advantage, the fact you can come in and play that well is just like it speaks volumes to how good these guys really are. Really does. Um, time for Also, the other the, the other corner from Cincinnati, Kobe White, I think he's on Seattle as well with with Tariq. Yeah, he he's is. having a good year, too. Kobe Bryant. But yeah, he Kobe is. Bryant, no, yeah. yeah, he is balling out. Yeah, the Seattle defense is nice, man. Seattle killed that draft. I mean, when you look back at all their picks, they probably had the best draft of any team in the league. And on top of that, with how good they've been drafting, they, got they have two all guys those picks the from the year. Russell Wilson. Yeah, and and even the guys they got, like it was like Shelby Harris, Noah Font, and somebody else are all playing well too. They absolutely fleeced Denver on that trade. Um, yeah. All right, Ben, it's time for our last topic. As um, expected, Deion Sanders' name has been flown around in a lot of rumors. Apparently, Auburn didn't even request to meet with him, so there's no chance of Deion going to Auburn. Um, right now, the favorites to sign him are Colorado, and who is the other South one? Florida. In South Florida right now. Ben, if you're Deion Sanders, what are you doing here? It's not Colorado. Um, it's definitely South Florida because he already has – 
those ties between when he played at Tallahassee. Um, although Tallahassee's not South Florida, it's like Central Florida, isn't it? Yeah, it's more towards like the it's it's in the upper panhandle. half of Florida. No, it's not in the panhandle. Uh, it's in the upper half though. Yeah, so I think South Florida would be the move. I I said this a while ago to you. I'm not saying he would he wouldn't be successful at Auburn. I'm not saying that at all because I think he would recruit like crazy. I think if you're if you're in his position, I think you need to start at a lower level school, get the feel mm-hmm. of D1 football, get the feel of everything that it, that it entails you to do. And then when he's successful at, let's say he goes to South Florida, if he has a good first two, three years, pick a school, Dion, whoever's hiring, that job's yours. I, I think it's tough to go from coaching high school to coaching Jackson State to coaching Auburn, like where you're playing Georgia and Alabama every, in the SEC West every year and you're recruiting against the biggest juggernauts in football. I'm not saying he's not ready for it because I, I think there's nothing that he can't do. But it's tough to win at those schools. And you, and you don't always get the, the biggest leash at big schools. I think a school like South Florida would, would really be perfect for him. Um, I think he knows the area of Florida well. Um, I still think he resonates. Like I feel like Deion Sanders is still a legend in the sport of football. Like, whether you're calling him Deion Sanders, whether you say the word primetime, whether you're talking about two sport athletes, like whether you're talking about legends of college football, he is all of those. So even though the you know kids get younger and younger that he's that he's having to recruit, I think everyone knows who Deion Sanders is. Do they, like I don't know anyone that follows sports or is a sports kid that doesn't know the nickname primetime or doesn't know the the high step that he did. Or, yep. I, I feel like he will be a good coach, but I, I think he needs to go to a smaller level power five school um, before he does that. So um, it's also one of those things when you go to these schools, I think you need to hire it's who you hire around you. I think he'll do a really good job of that. I think he's good at relationships and um, I'm sure he's learned over the years what, what helps and what doesn't help just from talking to people. Um, so I think he would hire someone like if he went to South Florida, I think he would hire a South Florida recruiting specialist I think he would hire um, just guys that fit that area of kids very well. And I think he would absolutely steal kids from Miami, Florida, and Florida State. Yeah, I mean, when I think about it, see, the thing is, if he goes to Colorado, dude, I look, you think he can, like, kind of dominate the West Coast. Plus, you know, the Pac-12 is losing UCLA Uh, and USC. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it would be an easier path for him to win there. But but I don't know if – I don't know if USC is going to lose the California pipeline because USC is one of the biggest brand names there is like, no, no, I'm not saying they're going to lose it, but I'm just saying like, it'll be easier. I think for him to not only recruit out of Florida, but I also are out of um, the West coast, but I also think it'll be a little bit easier for him to like have success on the field. You know what I mean? Cause the conference is going to be weaker, but with all that being said though, I mean, I think South Florida, if he's going to go somewhere, is his best choice. I mean, South Florida's obviously struggled, but he's from Florida. The South is a hotbed for college football. He's going to be able to tap in and get the right people. He's going to be able to get everybody. But honestly, if I'm him, I think I'm going back to college and sticking around there. I think I'm staying there and waiting for like a like a not as good like Big Ten, Big Twelve, ACC, SEC team to bring. He doesn't like the cold. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, he definitely hates the cold. But if I was him, I think I would wait on something like that to open up because, you know, if he goes there and doesn't do a good job. What kind of job do you have in mind? Like, um, like trying to think of something could be available here soon. Like, I mean, I mean, this isn't going to be available, but like a Purdue type of school. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Like a lower, just like a lower level, like ACC team, SEC, big 10, big, you know, like, uh, not like Vandy, but like, let's say like, miss like mississippi state or like ole miss you know what i mean like a team like that or like arkansas obviously sam Pittman up thinks to be arkansas for a minute but like you know what i mean like teams like that not like the blue bloods of the conference but like the teams that are in like that next area i mean i think if you get i mean he's probably going to go undefeated this year he got college game day there he got the number one overall recruit there he's built up the body of work at this point in time i think he should just wait and pick his right school and then from there let that be a stepping stone you know to get to that blue blood program and be their head coach so Mississippi State is an interesting one because he's obviously at Jackson State, which is in mm-hmm. Jackson, Mississippi right now. Leach 
think he's an okay coach. He's nothing great. And Mississippi State's about to get a new athletic director, or they already hired a new athletic director. I don't know if they hired someone yet. So this isn't the new athletic director is not going to be Mike Leach's handpicked guy. Yeah, so I think that is interesting. I'm not saying Dion knows the state of Mississippi recruiting. I'm just saying he is already there. See, so I think like Dion knows. Change. See, I think he regardless of Dion knowing like the recruiting that area, I think he should be able to bring people in. I mean, if I'm one of the top corners in the class and Dion Sanders is sitting there in my living room and says, "Look, I want you to come play for me. I'm one of the best corners to ever play in in the NFL. I'm gonna teach you everything you need to know. I'm gonna get you there. I'm gonna get you drafted in the first round." I'm going to get you the big bucks. I mean, how am I going to sit there and not say yes to that? And on top of that, I mean, he gets that money from Barstool too for uh, NIL deals and stuff. So, I mean, he's got all that going for him at this point. So, honestly, I mean, I don't think I don't think it's a bad fit for him to go to USF. But if I'm Dion, I would just kind of play the hard to get and stay put where you're at and just be like, be like you know, I'm satisfied, blah, blah, blah. I mean, Ole Miss is going to be open. I mean, I wouldn't – we talked about how we Maybe. Ole Miss is, is programs. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they gave Deion Sanders a call, and I wouldn't hate the signing if they did sign him to be their head coach. Yeah. I mean, they, he's exciting. He's 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 uh, extremely good at motivating. Um, if mm-hmm. you ever heard him speak to teams and he shares good messages, he's, he's all about, like, bettering, turning kids into men in life. Yep. And he obviously – you have to win games as a football coach to stick around and keep giving those messages. And he's doing that at the current level he's at. I just think it's a huge jump to go from Jackson state to like, if he went to Ole Miss. No, I see. You're definitely not wrong about that. That's why I don't hate the South Florida. I think Colorado would be stupid, honestly, but I think South Florida, you know, like it makes sense. He's in the state of Florida, you know, baby steps. I mean, see jumping from Jackson state to South Florida is definitely much better than going to some like Sun Belt or conference USA school. So it could yeah, but be those are way. good football programs too. I mean, the Sun Belt mm-hmm. this year has been extremely competitive against Power Five teams. Yeah, uh, South South Florida's in the American Conference, I believe, which is extremely competitive. So yeah. we just saw Cincinnati make the Power uh, College Football Playoffs. So I, I think I really think South Florida's good. I think it fits him for mm-hmm. recruiting standards. It's a competitive conference, good teams, really good coaches in the American Conference. Um, I think he would better them for sure. I don't know how quickly he can turn around South Florida. I would imagine they need a entirely new roster, but you got to think Travis Hunter is following him wherever he goes. Yeah, I'm sure he's using that as part of his pitch to get there as well, that he's going to be able to bring in. I think they have multiple, like, decently high recruits on that team. So I think, I think they do. Yeah, so yeah. he's definitely going to bring in. have either been kicked out of Power 5, you know, Power 5s mm-hmm. have gone to Jackson State, so. Yeah, I'm sure he's going to bring him in and change the culture wherever he goes. You know, Ben, you talked me into it, man. I give my stamp of approval to Dion going there. First, I was against Dion going there. I thought he should hold out, but you convinced me, Ben. Dion to South Florida, I like the move if it happens. Well, let's see what other other jobs open up. Those are just the first two that were reported, so who yeah. knows if those are even true. But what? why would you not want Dion? That's what I'm saying. Who wouldn't want Dion? Um, all right, guys, me and Ben have been on here babbling on and on for a minute now. Ben, anything else you think we got to talk about before we get up out of here? Nah. That's what I'm saying. We've given the people plenty. It's probably an hour's worth of a podcast. Once again, guys, we appreciate everyone tuned in. Um, Thursday night we will record, so Friday morning. Wake up early if you need those picks for the Friday games. We're going to have Friday, Saturday, Sunday picks for you guys. Um, we appreciate everyone tuned in, and we'll talk to you all again soon.